0: This is the conference operator. Welcome to Total Energy's third quarter results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there'll be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Daniel Halleck, President and CEO of Total Energy Services. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you. Good morning and welcome to Total Energy Services third quarter 2021 conference call. Present with me is Yulia Gorbach, Total's VP Finance and CFO. We will review with you Total's financial and operating highlights for the three months ended September 30th, 21, and then provide an outlook for our business and open up the phone lines for questions. Yulia, please proceed.
2: Thank you, Dan. During the course of this conference call, information may be provided containing forward-looking information concerning TOTAL's projected operating results, anticipated capital expenditure trends, and projected driven activity in the oil and gas industry. Actual events or results may differ materially from those reflected in TOTAL's forward-looking statements. Due to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors affecting TOTAL's businesses, and oil and gas industry in general, these risks, uncertainties, and other factors are described under the heading "Risk Factors," and elsewhere in Total's most recently filed annual information form and other documents filed with Canadian provincial securities authorities that are available to the public at www.cira.com. Our discussions during this conference call are qualified with reference to the notes to the financial highlights contained in the news release issued yesterday. Unless otherwise indicated, all financial information in this conference call is presented in Canadian dollars. Total Energy's financial results for the three months ended September 30, 2021, reflect improving industry conditions in North America, particularly in Canada, and lower activity levels in Australia as compared to the third quarter of 2020. High-end North American activity and the reactivation of two drilling rigs in Australia contributed to a significant year-over-year improvement in total third-quarter financial results and a return to profitability with third-quarter net income of $4.3 million as compared to a net loss of $4.6 million in 2020. Third-quarter consolidated EBITDA increased 51% from $17.9 million in Q3 of 2020 to $27 million in the third quarter of 2021. Excluding COVID-19 relief funds, third quarter EBITDA increased 115% on a year-over-year basis. Total geographical diversification continued to be a stabilizing factor for our financial performance. Geographically, as the year-over-year industry activity levels in Australia decline, Activity levels in North America continue to recover from the historic lows experienced during the second quarter of 2020. This is evident by North America contributing 82% of consolidated revenue in the third quarter of 2021 as compared to 68% in the third quarter of 2020. Within North America, the recovery in Canada was more pronounced compared to the United States with a relative contribution from Canada to consolidated third-quarter revenue increase in 15 percentage points compared to Q3 of 2020. Third-quarter revenue contribution from the United States decreased by two percentage points on a year-over-year basis, and Australia's contribution declined by 14 percentage points as compared to 2020. By business segment, contract drilling services was the largest contributor to consolidated revenue, generating 36 percent, of 2021 third quarter consolidated revenues, followed by compression and process services at 32%, well servicing at 21%, rentals and transportation services contributing 10%. This compares to Q3 of 2020 when CPS contributed 42% of consolidated revenue, well servicing 30%, contract drilling services 21%, and the RTS segment 8%. While third quarter 2021 consolidated digit revenue increased by 54% as compared to Q3 2020, EBITDA increased by 100% after adjusting to exclude COVID-19 relief funds and unrealized foreign exchange gains on translation of each company working capital balances, resulting in an adjusted quarterly EBITDA margin of 19% as compared to 14% in the third quarter of 2020. The $4.5 million of COVID-19 relief funds recorded during the third quarter of 2021 reduced cost of services by $4 million and SG&A by $0.5 million. This compares to $7.4 million of COVID-19 relief funds in Q3 of 2020, which reduced cost of services by $6.4 million and SG&A by $1 million. Consolidated third quarter gross margin, excluding COVID-19 funds, was four percentage points higher as compared to 2020. This was primarily due to modest price increase in North America, necessary to offset rising labor and material costs. Excluding COVID-19 relief funds, gross margin percentage of revenue improved to 25% for the third quarter of 2021, as compared to 21 in Q3 of 2020. Selling general administration expenses for the third quarter of 2021 increased by $1.6 million, or 27%, compared to Q3 of 2020, as employee compensation was reinstated to pre-COVID levels and the contribution of COVID-19 fund decreased by $0.5 million, or 50%, compared to the prior year comparable quarter. The improvement in North America drilling activity and the reactivation of two Australian drilling rigs contributed to an over threefold increase in total operating drilling days in total CDS segment. This resulted in a 213% increase in consolidated drilling utilization during the third quarter of 2021 as compared to prior year. Despite a 14% decrease in revenue per operating day, as a result of lower North American day rates and changes in the geographic revenue mix, high activity resulted in a 68% year-over-year increase in third quarter CDS segment revenue. Third quarter CDS segment EBITDA increased 263% compared to 2020 as a result of cost management and changes in the mix of equipment operating in North America. An increase in Canadian drilling activity resulted in a 254% increase in third quarter operating days in Canada compared to 2020. Recovering industry conditions and market share gains contributed to a 380% year-over-year increase in third quarter United States operating days, which in turn drove a 406% year-over-year increase in third quarter U.S. drilling revenue. Third quarter operating days in Australia increased 34% compared to 2020, as two drilling rigs returned to service following the completion of recertifications and upgrades. One Australian rig was removed from operation during the third quarter for recertifications and upgrades and is expected to return to service in the first quarter of 2022. Improving industry conditions and the commencement of several major projects in Canada that were previously delayed contributed to 86% increase in third quarter equipment utilization within RTS segment as compared to 2020. Third quarter RTS revenue increased 107% on a year-over-year basis, which in turn drove an 82% increase in segment EBITDA. EBITDA increased at slightly lower pace than revenue due to the mix of equipment operating, cost inflation not being fully offset by price increases, and increases in lower year-over-year COVID-19 assistance being received. Third quarter revenue in total CPS segment increased 18% compared to 2020, and this segment saw a fourth consecutive quarterly increase to its fabrication sales backlog which was 158% higher on a year-over-year basis. Higher natural gas prices also provided support for CPS segments, parts, and service business, and utilization of the compression rental fleet continued to improve for the third consecutive quarter, increasing 18% from December 31st of 2020. Operating income for the third quarter of 2021 increased 12% on a year-over-year basis, primarily as a result of ongoing cost management and increased overhead absorption with a high production activity. Third quarter revenue increased 10% in our well servicing segment compared to 2020. While service hours increased 15% during the third quarter, revenue per service hour decreased 4%, due primarily to the geographical revenue mix and lower pricing in Australia. Continued strength of oil prices and increased well abundant activity in Canada contributed to a substantial increase in North American activity that was partially offset by low utilization in Australia. This segment's EBITDA margin decreased seven percentage points in the third quarter of 2021 as compared to the same quarter last year due primarily to cost inflation in North America that was not fully recovered through price increases. Total energy's financial and liquidity positions remain very strong. At September 30, 2021, the weighted average interest rate on outstanding bank debt was 2.8% as compared to 2.85% at September 30, 2020. This lower interest rate, combined with lower outstanding debt balances, contributed to a 20% year-over-year decrease in third-quarter finance costs. Total net debt position at September 30, 2021, is the lowest since we completed the acquisition of Samana in June of 2017, as we remain focused on continued repayment of debt. Total Energy exited the third quarter of 2021 with over $145.6 million of liquidity, consisting of $25.6 million of cash and $120 million of available credit under the company revolving credit facilities. Total Energy's bank covenants consist of maximum senior debt to 12 month bank EBITDA of three times and a minimum bank defined EBITDA to interest expense of three times. At September 30, 2021, company's senior bank debt to bank EBITDA ratio was 1.6, and the bank interest coverage ratio was 14.45 times.
1: Thank you, Yulia. Improving North American industry conditions underpinned a significant year-over-year improvement in Total Energy's third-quarter financial performance. While industry activity levels remained below pre-COVID levels in all geographic regions where Total operates, Continued efforts to manage operating and overhead costs in response to challenging industry conditions were effective in restoring corporate profitability. Total's diversified business model has proven resilient once again and has allowed us to generate significant free cash flow even during the most difficult of times. For the first nine months of 2021, after funding capital expenditures, capital lease, and interest obligations and working capital requirements, total energy generated $44.2 million of free cash flow or one per share outstanding at September 30th, 21. This free cash flow was directed towards continued debt repayment and share buybacks. Notwithstanding continued strength in commodity prices, many oil and gas producers have been hesitant to substantially increase capital budgets At current commodity prices, Total Energy expects that oil and natural gas drilling and completion activity will continue to moderately increase, led by private producers not under the same pressure to curtail their capital investment programs. Demand for equipment and services provided by our CPS segment continues to strengthen as investment in global energy infrastructure recovers from the pandemic collapse. Total Energy's track record of fiscal discipline and maintaining a sound financial position allows us to respond to opportunities that are arising in a recovering energy services market. In response to increasing demand for drilling rigs and compression rental equipment, our Board of Directors has approved a $6.5 million increase to our 2021 capital budget, which now stands at $33.2 million dollars. We intend to fund the remainder of our 2021 capital budget with cash on hand. Enhancing shareholder returns, including through debt repayment and share repurchases, remains a corporate priority. As we look forward to better times for our business, I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of our employees for their perseverance and dedication over the past 18 months. Together, we worked to get through a severe industry downturn and a global health pandemic, and came out a stronger and more innovative organization. I would now like to open up the phone lines for any questions.
0: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Once again, to join the question queue, please press star, then one now. Our first question comes from Cole Peraria of Stiefel. Please go ahead.
3: Hey, uh, good morning, everyone.
0: Good Good morning, Cole.
3: Maybe to start, so obviously good rebound in earnings, the balance sheet's in pretty good shape, and getting more active with the buyback, but how are you thinking about other capital allocation priorities, namely M&A and resuming the dividend?
1: Uh, The same way we've always thought about allocation of capital. You know, we'll uh, deploy capital to the highest uh, uh, risk-adjusted opportunities. I guess maybe phrased
3: um, in a different way, do you see just the the returns from debt and share buybacks just being much higher than M and A and a dividend at this point.
1: Certainly, uh, our share buyback is an extremely compelling um, investment in this in this market. There's zero uh, integration risk, and um, um, you know you've got a fairly uh, good idea of what your earnings capacity is go forward. So you know that certainly ranks high. Um, debt repayment again we continue to uh be methodical in, in bringing down the uh the total debt um you know on a net- de- debt basis so net of working capital um you know we're now at the point where um you know it's certainly going to uh invite other thoughts and discussions but uh you know those will be at a board level um on the M&A front, you know, we see a lot of different opportunities, but, um, you know, we rank those against uh, um, share buybacks, and it's difficult to, um, you know, make a lot of those work.
3: Okay, perfect. That's helpful. Thanks. Um, so contract drilling looked pretty strong overall, but the U.S. business in particular had a lot of market share capture. Um can you just talk about some of the drivers um, behind that, and you know what you see as the near-term outlook for that business?
1: Well, first of all, our U.S. drilling group has done a wonderful job in, um, you know, capturing market share through providing quality equipment and in a safe and efficient manner. You know, I think what we're seeing in the U.S. and I expect we'll see it up in Canada, is a uh, move towards lighter, uh, more efficient uh, rigs as opposed to you know, bringing um, the biggest rig possible to the well site. And I think there's a number of drivers for that, but uh, not the least of which is, is operational and, and move uh, efficiencies. And so, um, you know, we are um, uh, we have three triples in the U.S., and uh, those are all working, but definitely uh, our quality fleet of, of doubles and singles is uh, enjoying some strong utilisation.
3: Okay, great. Uh, that's helpful. Thanks. And so one of your compression peers um, cautioned on margins over the next few quarters due to pricing pressure and supply chain issues. I mean, do you see some of those same margin risks for totals compression business?
1: Well, certainly we're in an inflationary environment. You know, we're seeing that in all divisions. Um, you know, one of the benefits um, that our CPS segment had coming into this rebound is um you know, a significant inventory of of, um, of uh, major components, and so both from a cost inflation and a um, um, procurement risk, you know, physical supply risk perspective, uh, you know, we feel um, quite comfortable in in where we stand in the marketplace.
3: Okay, great. Uh, that's all for me. I'll turn it back. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Our next question comes from Tim Monticello of ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
4: Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, and Cole. Cole sort of answered or asked a couple of my questions, but I guess just when you look across your platform, um, as diversified as it is, and with a view to, you know, uh, probably a pretty tar- tight market in Canada in Q1 and maybe uh you know, a tightening market in the U.S. through the next few quarters, which business lines do you see the most optimism in? And where do you think there might be challenges in terms of, um, you know, capacity of the industry to meet demand?
1: I'm optimistic on all four divisions for, you know, various reasons. Um, And I think, um, you know, we're certainly going to see, particularly in Canada in Q1, what the true capacity of of our industry is, um, you know, both from an equipment and a personnel perspective, and um, I'm not sure. You know, time will tell, but I'm not sure the market fully appreciates the uh, um, limited supply capability on on the service side. And uh, you know, as we ramp up in Q1, um, you know, we'll find out together what that means. But uh, the capacity that exists today is not even close to what it was five years ago. And I would say that's across the board. Okay,
4: that's that's helpful for sure.
1: And I just um, don't see an environment where you're gonna see capital come in and, and uh, try and increase that capacity.
4: What are you seeing from the labor standpoint? Any challenges there?
1: Um, labor's tight. Again, I think more on the field services front, um, but uh, we always find a way to, to get the job done. So, um, you know, I'm I'm pleased with our, our various divisions and their efforts to, you know, procure labor. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we tried to carry as many through a tough time as we could, had to make some tough calls, but um, feel quite uh, comfortable with how we position ourselves coming into this uh, recovery and, and the fact that we're able to invest capital to ensure that uh, you know, our employees and our customers uh, you know, have the best equipment that's uh, fit for duty and ready to go to work. And that's part of it, you know providing your, your employees with, with the proper equipment and, and good, safe uh, operations. So, you know, we'll find a way, but I think it's definitely going to be um, a little more challenging, well, certainly more challenging than a year ago.
5: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 Plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler Promotional offer not available in Washington, DC.
4: Okay, um, in particular on the rentals business line, I think there's a comment in the MDNA that just said that. You know, uh, pricing increases haven't kept up with cost inflation. In the tightening market, do you see that? Uh, See pricing starting to overcome cost inflation in the coming quarters?
1: Well, we're certainly hoping so. Um, You know, the directive to all of our divisions is to, um, you know, we're not going to uh, hopefully see margins contract in an $80 oil environment.
4: Yeah, I would hope not
1: know, um, so we're in a bit of an adjustment period here, um, weaning ourselves, the industry weaning itself off of um, COVID assistance. You know, again, um, you still have a pretty modest rig, North American rig count and an Australian rig count for that matter. And, um, you know, um, we're finding equilibrium, but uh, my sense generally speaking to... Uh, Producers, they understand that uh, the service sector pricing is not sustainable and um, uh, most reasonable customers are willing to work with you to come up with something that's fair that works for both sides.
4: With um, oil prices, you know, in the mid-80s, we're starting to see activity outside the Permian accelerate. Um, Is that helping to tighten some some of those business lines like U.S. rentals?
1: Certainly yes. You know the rig count uh, drives all four divisions. Ultimately, it's a good leading indicator. So uh, you know recovery across the board in all basins in the U.S. Is, is positive for for all of our divisions.
4: Okay, and then last one for me. I was just wondering if you could talk to the progression and some of the, I guess, energy transition or non-traditional end market business lines and, and opportunities that you're seeing.
1: You know, so we're we're at the front of that. Um, the reality is, it's not a it's not a big component uh, today. But um, you know, we we're, we're in line, and uh, if and when those opportunities become significant, we'll get our fair share. Um, we take a pragmatic approach to uh, those opportunities. You know, at the end of the day, um, it's really not um, complex. A lot of the engineering and, and um, design are. Off the shelf technologies. Um, the reality is, you know, capital has to flow in a significant way um, into those opportunities, and when it does, we'll be ready to get our fair share.
4: Is, is the U.S. rental fleet, as you build that out uh, in terms of compression,
1: are you looking at electric at all? Is that a component? Oh, very much so. We've been doing electric for 20 years.
4: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, electrical no magic the to it. We've been doing electric drive compression for 20 plus years.
4: Okay, yeah, I just wanted to. There's some uh, details from a few of the U.S. competitors around it, so I'm just curious what your stance was.
1: and that helpful? Yeah, no. We're. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of it depends on. Um, a lot of it depends on you know your sources and, and uh, availability of electricity. You know, a good example is one of our heavy AC doubles is drilling actually fairly close to the city of Calgary, and we tried to put it on high-line power, but there was insufficient uh, power in the grid to uh, power the rig. So, you know, that goes to the reality of of trying to transition too quickly. You know, the grid's simply not capable of providing uh, enough um, electricity to power a a double drilling rig. So, you know, we generate the electricity through... um, diesel power generators, but if we could, we could plug it into Highline. Interesting.
4: I'll turn it back. Thanks.
1: Thanks.
0: Our next question comes from Joseph Schachter of Schachter Energy. Please go ahead.
6: Good morning, Dan and Ilya, and uh, congratulations on the nicely improved quarter. Um, Three questions for me. The first one is uh, on the service business. Are you seeing um, a pickup in the um, abandonment programs where people are taking advantage of the program that expires in 22, or is, are, is the focus more on getting volumes up so they're they looking at more re-completions? And maybe you, any idea you have of, you know, do you think in 2022 will that be busier while the funds are still available?
1: So, Joseph, we've seen a pretty significant increase in, in abandonment work over the past year. Um you know, the the reality is, um, you know, the government of programs were announced probably close to two years ago, and for the first nine months, nothing happened. And just as oil prices were recovering, funds started flowing. So I would say what you're seeing is, is a, a competition now between abandonment and production work, um, such that um, we've probably... More towards the production side than the abandonment, but there's good, strong demand, and, and frankly, um, uh, we have more work than than um, than service rigs, crude service rigs right now, so that's a challenge.
6: okay Does that help in margins and pricing going forward? It better. I mean, it's better. Yeah. It better. Help. That. Yeah. But what oh, about it, the it, competitors? Are competitors not as tight as you, and therefore the pricing is still a problem?
1: I think it depends on the area and, and um, you know, the specific competitive landscape. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, when you have more demand than supply, uh, you know, over the medium term, that's, uh, that'll drive pricing.
6: Second question for me is net uh, debt is uh, net debt's now at $64 million, down from $100 at in December. Is there a target in your mind to get that down to zero before you start looking at alternatives? There, do you have a number in mind for
1: net debt? So we look at our debt, kind of there's two components. One's our mortgage debt, which us would be, to myself personally, would be kind of permanent debt. And then there's the uh, the line, uh, the revolving credit facilities, which uh, on a gross basis was $135 million um you know net basis what about 110 or so yeah. so you know we're quite comfortable um keeping the the mortgage debt as permanent debt. Um you know we rolled a fifty million dollar mortgage we picked up a seventeen million dollar mortgage when we bought Savannah. Um to us that's kind of permanent. It'll keep rolling. Um we're focused on the revolving side. Um you know as that comes down we'll likely uh uh, contract our facility, you know, we don't pay for things we don't need and certainly as we, um, you know, when you have no debt left to pay, um, <laughs> you know, you look at other options but, uh, you know, I won't uh, steal the board's thunder. Certainly, uh, you know, I'm personally a fan of a dividend. I know our board is and, um, you know, at some point when it's the right time, I would expect that we will revisit that.
6: Okay, super. Last one for me, Uh, this is kind of a crazy one. Uh, You know, the COP26, um, we heard that um, they're going to be cutting off funding, and countries have signed up for international energy investments. With your Australian operations, does that affect the financial capability of your clients, and is that something that you guys are concerned about in terms of uh, working in the international environment? Well,
1: I think last I checked Asian LNG prices were north of $30 an MCF. Um, so the financial capacity of our customers there, which are all major, you know, LNG participants, is, is um, from what I can tell, fairly solid. You know, we'll see how this plays out. The reality is, you know, we're going into winter in the northern hemisphere and, um, you know, you're seeing some energy crises uh, playing out. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, food, clothing, and shelter are fundamentals, and shelter includes a warm shelter. Um, I'm reasonably bullish on on natural gas. I think in the medium to long term it has a very bright future, uh, particularly as we realize the limitations of the current uh, accelerated attempt to displace it. And physics and economics ultimately prevail and uh, you know I'm quite comfortable um, uh, playing in the natural gas which is primarily the market for us in Australia and um, you know at the end of the day um, I think there's no doubt that capital will be restrained but that just further reinforces my views on supply and demand both within the uh, production side and and the service side which is part of the reason why we're uh, quite focused on um, paying down debt and like we have been for 25 years we've not really ever been dependent on equity markets to fund our business. It's been uh, cash flow. Yeah.
6: Good. That does it for me. Thanks very much. And again, congratulations on a nicely improved quarter. Thanks, Joseph.
0: Our next question comes from John Gibson of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
1: Thanks. And again, congrats on the strong quarter. I, I just have two. The first one kind of leads on what Cole was asking. i maybe asking it a different way. So, I'm just wondering if you could speak to margins that are currently churning through your system, which I'm guessing were kind of signed early in the pandemic, versus maybe new orders signed today, and uh, how they may differ, and, and maybe just keeping you know the fact that you have a, a fairly large inventory out of out of the equation. So one thing that hit our margins in in the CPS segment in Q3 was uh, we took an eight hundred thousand uh, provision. So if you back that out, basically our margins were fairly flat year over year despite uh, reduced uh, COVID funds. And so, um, you know, what we're seeing and and certainly your your observation on, you know, uh, order, timing of the order versus completion is correct. You know, we are moving into an inflationary environment. And certainly I know uh, all divisions, including CPS, are cognizant of that. And, and, you know, as you're... um, pricing new, new bids, uh, you know, you're certainly uh, factoring that in. So I would say um, generally I have a high degree of confidence in our CPS management to, um, you know, to price appropriately. And, you know, obviously it's a competitive marketplace, but um, at the end of the day it's a commodity and um, low cost gets the best margins. So, you know, as much as you focus on price, we also focus very much on on manufacturing efficiencies, overhead efficiencies, and the like. I think one of the other things that um, hopefully will play out to our advantage here in all of our divisions is, as part of our kind of restructuring during the last two years, you know, we really made an effort to displace leased facilities with owned, and we're almost uh, done that uh, for the most part as leases came off. And uh, you know, for example, in our CPS segment. You know, we had the opportunity to vacate lease premises and relocate into owned. You know, as we were converting, say, RTS uh, branches into CPS branches, and likewise, or you know, put in two groups in one building. So, um, you know, we're being fairly innovative in in trying to keep our costs uh, under control, and um, you know, um, both through cost management and price uh, strategy. uh, continue to maintain and and ultimately grow margins. I don't know if that answers your question, John. No, it it does. I appreciate the answer. The second one for me, and you've obviously benefited from various COVID relief programs, as has everybody. I'm just wondering if you could maybe put some specific goalposts around what you expect uh, to receive in 2022. Um, At this point, zero. Okay, great. Um, again, congrats on the quarter. I'll turn it back. Thanks, John.
0: Our next question comes from John Beresnecki of Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead.
7: Yeah, thanks. Morning, everybody.
1: Morning, John. Good morning.
7: I just want to focus on CPS for a second. Obviously, the backlog growth uh pretty meaningful in Q3, um broad brush, can you give us a sense of kind of where that came from uh either geographically or or, or product product wise
1: um, hesitant to do that for competitive reasons but we uh we sell to the world john
7: okay okay fair enough i i uh i won't push on that one any further but um uh, looking at the numbers, you know it still looks like U.S. has obviously skewed more rentals uh, Canadian market to sales. Um, any signs that that's changing? You know, given capital allocation with your customers, or is that kind of a trend you're factoring on here as you move forward?
1: Sorry, didn't quite get your. U.S. rentals, is huge. Oh,
7: just within CPS, you know, looking through the numbers, it it looks like rentals are, you know, a bigger component in the U.S. versus sales in Canada.
1: Yeah, I think generally um, part of it's just a, you know, much, much, much larger market. Certainly there's, um, um, I think, culturally and and economically different reasons to rent versus own. Um, But... um, you know, we're, uh, we're seeing good demand for the rental, steady redeployment. You know, we had, it was Q4 last year, a bankruptcy of a U.S. customer that resulted in a fairly significant uh, return of equipment. Um, you know, we're steadily putting that back to work, and uh, our expectation is going into um, Q1. Um, we should see a, you know, reasonable pickup in, in uh, co- you know, compression both sides of the border as, uh, you know particular in Canada where um, you know customers are wanting to put on a winter drill winter drilled wells onto production before a breakup so you know seasonally uh, q1 is usually a fairly good uh, time for uh, t- for rental demand so
7: okay that's that's helpful thanks and then just okay, um, that's
1: a good question but
7: e- yeah that's helpful uh, sorry go on
1: I was just going to say it's throwing darts at a dartboard, though, (laughs) you know, for (laughs) us, we don't, uh, you know, demand for rentals can be very unique and, you know, it sort of comes when it comes. And again, we're not into the, um, um, you know, I think some of our competitors are in the boom market. Um, You know, ours are, are dry rentals.
7: Right, right. No, I appreciate it. That's helpful. Uh, just looking at Australia, you know, it looks like, uh, you were able to put the two upgrade, uh, rigs to work in the third quarter, sequential uptick in activity. Uh, things looked a little flatter on the well servicing side. Just wondering if, if that trend has continued through the fourth quarter, kind of what you're seeing in that market right now.
1: I think generally Australia lagged, uh, North America by a year, nine months to a year. Um, So we saw the rig count come off. You know, we had some company-specific issues, as you just noted, uh, taking two out of the five rigs out of service. Um, You know, we're currently operating four out of five, and uh, the fifth is uh, out of service for upgrade and research, and it'll be back in service in in Q1. Certainly on the well-servicing side, you know, similar to the, the overall rig count in Australia, we saw a bit of a pullback. You know, in part, though, due to weather, Um, they've had uh, quite a wet uh, spring and um, going into summer but um, overall I think uh, you know just like North America producers are cautious but uh, the flip side is you know they're enjoying a fairly significant um, increase in, in commodity prices there so we'll see how it plays out but um You know, we feel reasonably comfortable with our market position, both in drilling and and well servicing there.
7: Okay. Uh, Appreciate the color. Uh, That's it for me. Thanks for uh,
4: squeezing me in. Thanks, John.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. Our next question comes from Akshay Tho, a private investor. Please go ahead.
3: Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, Good morning. I had a question on the rentals and transportation services. Um, uh, we noticed that the revenue went up uh, substantially compared to the same time last month, last year. Um, however, I noticed um, among all the segments, this one has the lowest utilization, uh, even though that it's uh, doubled compared to the same, same time last year. What, in your uh, opinion, is a good utilization rate? And um, is there any plans to... Um, or right-size the assets further um, to get to that number?
1: Good question. I think historically, uh, full utilization in that division would be 60 to 65%. Um, just the nature of the assets, you constantly have assets moving and back and forth to jobs, being cleaned, repaired, um, so 60 to 65% utilization would be peak um, utilization. So. It's not the same as a drilling rig that sits on a well, you know, just constant. Um, a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, used to contain solids, liquids, has to be cleaned, um, repaired. So you're never going to see the utilization in our other, in that uh, line of equipment, as you will, in other divisions. So um, certainly last year, um, you know, with the collapse in the North American rig count, you had extremely low um, utilizations you know historically uh, we needed 20 to 25 percent utilization to ger- generate pre-tax uh, income you know through our restructuring and um, basically we we shrank our footprint in Canada fairly substantially um, you know we've lowered that um, utilization uh, uh, threshold to achieve profitability significantly such that you know q3, we came quite close to pre-tax profitability, um, again at a pretty low um, utilization, and that's just simply, you know, the leverage we have to activity. Um, you know, you have a high fixed cost structure in that business relative to your other ones, and um, once you kind of get over your fixed costs, you know, you get pretty uh, significant drop down to the bottom line. So, you know, we ran. Um, just looking at the number here, for 11%, um, pardon me, 10%, 13% overall North American utilization. And we were pretty close to um, to pre-tax profitability, whereas that number historically had to be kind of 20%, 25%. So we're excited to see what happens as we uh, hopefully get busier there.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, also, uh, I think you briefly touched base on this, but can you talk a, a little bit about uh, opportunities at Opsco and how you, how
1: you see that business line um, going in the future? So, um, Opsco's uh, you know been around a long time uh, since the '60s. Uh, they've been uh, involved in conventional oil and gas as well as some fairly interesting emerging opportunities. Uh, Opsco was originally involved in the construction of the original carbon trunk line in, in Alberta, you know, the first uh, CO2 capture major project in Alberta quite a few years ago. So um, I think, uh, you know, our prospects there are both your conventional oil and gas uh, infrastructure, but also emerging opportunities, whether it's carbon capture, uh, hydrogen, um, you know, biogas or, or what have you. At the end of the day, gas is gas, the chemistry is a little different for each type of gas, but, um, you know, we build things to handle gas of whatever whatever nature. So, um, you know, OBSCO and and BIDEL certainly give us good exposure to any significant infrastructure investment, uh, you know, globally in in, um, some of these alternative energy uh, opportunities.
3: Okay, thank you, that's it on on my
1: end. Have a good day. Thank you. You too.
0: This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Halleck for any closing remarks.
1: Thank you all for participating in our conference call and look forward to speaking with you after we release our year-end results. Have a good day.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day.